This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh my God. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. Hello, hello. Happy Friday. We made it through the week. What up, everybody? Almost. Mm-hmm. Got a few more hours left in us. You know. Barely. <laughs> Well, we are here to uh, bring each other up, keep things positive as much as we can while we cover some crazy stories today that are, you know, always positive, but we're going to try to, you know. How many times do you want to say positive today? Positive. One more time. Take a shot every time I say it. That's how you felt yesterday about the word ally. We, uh, We had our... A company meeting, and I'm always the ally, obviously. Well, duh. What and, else are you supposed um, to be? I was like, is there another word? But, like, there's no other word. Shira's tired of being straight, guys. She's having a, <laughs> a crisis, and she's like, I don't know what to do. I'm straight, and I hate myself. Wow. That's what this it is like, like. A, a therapy session, but you're speaking for me. Yeah, that's um, what it sounds like. No, I... I think it's interesting because now I feel like I look at like being straight and I think of my mom. No offense, mom, if you're watching. Or I mean, listening. But you are your mom. Oh my God. <laughs> are you trying to trigger me? What's going on? I mean, there's parts of me, yeah, definitely. Become, yeah, we become our parents as we get older. But like, no, but like, I mean, like, I think of super straight people where I think of the straight people we're, we're fighting constantly who don't get what's happening. And I'm like, I don't want to align with those you're still, people. You're still straight. That is you're true. You're just an ally. Can we just have a new word for straight? Like, no, I guess I'm sorry. Straight people are not a part of the queer community. I didn't say I was, but I'm just like there needs to be like a middle, like something in between want. queer and super straight. It sounds so tone deaf for the straight person to still not be like I don't know, okay with their identity, even though the world loves your identity. No. They hate us. Well, I think I just get to you be know, an amazing ally. Yeah, be who no, you are. and I know, and and guess what? Sometimes it gets confusing. It's okay to like think about yourself and be reflective about it and what it means to confusing you. Confusing as in like you're trying to figure out your sexuality, or just confusing as in like what? I get to go through it myself. <laughs> This is why you keep these things behind the scenes, you know, maybe to bring your process into the on-air stuff. I mean, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Doesn't mean I have all the answers yet, but so I'll let you know. Is what she's saying. She didn't want to talk about it. Let us know what you think about all she of it at LGT Show. No, nah, nothing is. But coming up, uh, we've got more updates on Britney Spears and the T-Report. Also, the impacts of taking lithium. <laughs> I told you it was an intense show. 3.25 p.m. Pacific, 6.25 p.m. Eastern. But first, uh, some what's trending this hour. A quick one before we get into some tea. Uh, 
Derek Chauvin has been sentenced to two, 22 and a half years in prison for the murder of George Floyd. And had been County Judge Peter Cahill sentenced the former Minneapolis police officer today for the May 2020 killing of George Floyd. Chauvin was convicted in April on charges of second degree unintentional murder, third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. And family members, including Floyd's seven-year-old daughter, Gianna, and Chauvin's mother, Carolyn Palenti, read statements on behalf of the prosecution and the defense ahead of the sentencing. An earlier request by Chauvin's defense team for a new trial was denied today as well by the judge. Uh, and here's a moment. Well, we're gonna, we'll be playing something later in the show, but uh, let's move on to some entertainment news. What's going on, Ryan? Okay, so um, update on the whole Britney Spears case. Her mom has spoken out, kind of. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Britney Spears' mother, Lynn Spears, is concerned about her daughter amid her whole controversial conservatorship and wants to make sure that she was heard, In quote. An attorney for Lynn, who was present to hear Britney's 20-minute statement, spoke after saying it's important that action is taken on Britney's behalf. Uh, Gladstone Jones said his client Lynn is a very concerned mother. Lynn has objected to Jamie spending uh, of their daughter's money on law, uh, lawyers to keep him in his role as conservator. And I think that's really interesting that they're kind of putting that out because Brittany called out her entire family. She didn't just say like it was one person, not other people. She called out her entire family for kind of being uh, complicit. And so uh, Brittany, however has kind of gotten out of town and flown to Hawaii with her boyfriend after what we can all assume to be a super stressful week for her. Mm, I right? mean, that makes sense. Good good for her. I know, yeah. I, I'm surprised she obviously could just do that or she still is a conservatorship, I guess. She has I mean, some freedom. it's not like they're going to tell her not no, especially of, of this week. Hey, when she she feels empowered to speak out. Mm-hmm. So if they were to tell her no, she could just go on her Instagram and make a video, being like, "I can't even go on vacation really quickly." She's taking charge. Yeah, she should. It's her life. Um, that's your team report. I got more coming up next hour. Next up on the show, the Biden administration is now suing Georgia over the new voting restrictions. But will it be the move that makes a change? We look at that next with the Washington Post. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Department of Justice is filing a lawsuit challenging new voting restrictions in Georgia. This comes three months after Republican Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia signed the election bill passed by the GOP-controlled legislator. And joining us right now is national political reporter Amy Gardner from The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Oh, there you are. (laughs) Yeah, we hear you. Sorry. Glad to be back. Yeah, no, appreciate it. So will this move finally make a difference? Well, that's an excellent question that we don't know the answer to. It is definitely a sign that this Department of Justice and this administration under President Biden wants to use the power of the Voting Rights Act to, uh, you know, keep uh, states from... uh, enacting laws or setting policy that that they believe uh, restricts voter access or discriminates in particular against voters of color. Whether they will succeed is another matter because the Voting Rights Act is really difficult to use in court. The current Supreme Court and the federal judiciary generally make it really hard to prove uh, discriminatory intent uh, when it comes to voting laws. And so this this could very well become a test case of the the power of the Voting Rights Act right now. Yeah, why do Republicans think that Democrats are like weaponizing this moment right now? 
I mean, that's there, there's a lot of political rhetoric on both sides of this issue. Uh, Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, who I believe you're referring to, who 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 sent out a really you know strongly worded statement about the lawsuit uh, from DOJ today. Um, is somebody who, you know, is in the hot seat. He actually certified the Georgia election. He said that he supported Senate Bill 202, uh, but he he has n- not supported the idea that the election was stolen, which is sort of the justification for the law. Uh, it, you know, it's it's a solution in search of a problem. So and he's also running for reelection next year and doesn't want a primary challenge from somebody who, you know, talks more strongly about, you know, the election being stolen, because that's an argument that resonates with Republican voters right now. They believe the rhetoric that they've heard from former President Trump and other Republicans, that there were irregularities and fraud on a scale that swung the election for Biden, for which there's no evidence. Uh, And so he's in a pinch and he has to come out swinging and he has to look strong in the face of this lawsuit coming from the other side because he wants to win re-election, you know, um, it, 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 it's more complicated than that, though, because, you know, the Voting Rights Act actually was weakened uh, eight years ago with a Supreme Court decision that uh, that struck down a provision that required some jurisdictions, including Georgia, to go through a preclearance process before they could make any changes to election law because of the history of racial discrimination in voting in the state and in many other states, most of them in the South. Um, and so, you know, it, it, there's certainly a, a, a powerful argument to, made, to be made. It's not so much weaponizing a law as trying to revive a law that was uh, universally hailed for decades by Republicans and Democrats, but more recently has become a divisive topic between the two parties. So I guess with this lawsuit, I mean, how long would it take to possibly m- reverse this bill? I mean, federal court cases take a long time. Uh, you know, it could be months and months and months. It could even be years. It's just, it's really hard to say. Uh, but yeah, the, the wheels of justice turn really slowly. We're not going to get a, an outcome, you know, this summer. Uh, yeah. It's going to take some time. Well, so, And will yeah. this be a strategy used for other states who try to post these restrictions? Uh, I think we're going to see more of the same. You know, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, um, had a press conference earlier in June in which he made real clear that voting rights were going to be a central, uh, you know, priority for his Department of Justice. And, um, you know, uh, President Biden, in addition to nominating Garland, nominated Kristen Clark to lead the Civil Rights Division. Uh, She's a longtime uh, voting rights activist who led the Lawyers Committee uh, for civil rights, uh, and you know, was was fighting against uh, legislation like the one in Georgia. So it's very clear this is their first big move, mm-hmm. but there's going to be more. I have no doubt. Well, that was national political reporter for the Washington Post, Amy Gardner. Thanks so much. Thank you. Now coming up, Trump is back on the com- campaign trail. It seems Politico joins us next to share what his potential plans are. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
Now, President Trump might be making a comeback. What does that even mean? Well, White House reporter for Politico, Meredith McGraw, joins us right now. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So it seems like uh, tomorrow he's going to have a rally, Make America Great Again rally. So tell us more. What is going on? (laughs) So uh, former President Trump is coming out of what I would call a semi-retirement that he's had down in Palm Beach and now um, at his other uh, property in Bedminster, New Jersey, to get on the road and kickstart what is going to be a series of these MAGA rallies that he became so famous for and he held throughout his presidency. Now, uh, the one that's happening tomorrow in Cleveland, Ohio, is in support of a longtime Trump aide, worked in the White House, Max Miller, and he is running against Congressman Gonzalez from the Cleveland area. And what's significant about this is Gonzalez was one of the Republican uh, lawmakers who voted for Trump's impeachment in in the second impeachment trial. And right after that, uh, the former president was pretty clear that um, he planned to take revenge on a lot of these uh, uh, Republicans who voted against him, who worked against him. And this is the first of those sorts of events that is aimed at boosting Miller. But of course, that also means taking down Gonzalez along the way. Yeah, even um, I thought the timing of this is just also really interesting because yesterday Mike Pence offered his most like forceful rejection of everything that happened of January 6th, saying the truth is there's almost no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. <laughs> How Do you think we're going to hear Donald Trump react to that? Because I think that was a pretty bold move on Mike Pence's efforts to try to save his political career in the GOP. Well, it's funny you bring that up. That is something that I'm wondering about is if uh, Trump is going to respond to Pence in any way. He has talked about Pence at some of his events. Um, He said that he's disappointed in him. He has said that in some of the statements that that have come out um, that that Trump has put out that he's disappointed in Pence. So we'll have to see uh, what he does. But it is interesting to watch people like the former vice president, uh, Secretary of uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, a former UN ambassador Nikki Haley, all these people who are starting to angle for 2024. And you know, Trump still hasn't said whether or not he's going to run. Uh, his aides have told me that he's very serious about it. That if he had to decide today, he would run in 2024. But I think they're waiting to see how things shake out in 2022. But it's really been interesting to watch some of Trump's own allies. People that worked with him, Mike Pence, have to sort of dance around this uh, full on embrace of Trump that we've really seen from the party, um, at least so far, uh, and their own political ambitions. Definitely. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's going to be there. Seems like we know where she's heading in terms of her strategy. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, I saw that uh, she is going to be there. She's a congresswoman from Georgia, which is a little far from. Ohio. Um, But, you know, she has made a lot of headlines for her really eyebrow raising, very controversial um, statements, uh, a lot of them conspiratorial. Um, And she, of course, uh, recently had to apologize for comparing a push um, to our face mask to the Holocaust. But it's not just her. It's also MyPillow CEO, Mike Lindell, who's been a longtime Trump uh, ally, friend, fundraiser. Um, He has sort of turned uh, turning overturning the the 2020 election and uh, you know uh, fighting for these election audits uh, 
personal crusade, if you will, and he's currently being sued for defamation by Dominion Voting for what he said. Uh, he, he said that, that they uh, stole the election for Joe Biden. So, you know, there are a lot of people in the party that really want uh, Trump to be forward looking and to talk about the future and talk about the GOP's vision for 2022 uh, and to give a boost to these candidates. But what we're hearing so much from the president the former president still is him wanting to talk about 2020 and him wanting to talk about what happened in November, not exactly forward looking. And I think having somebody like, you know, Mike Lindell or Marjorie Taylor Greene, people who have um, uh, uh, embraced uh, Trump's own uh, grievances, uh, I think sends a signal as to where some of the focus, at least tomorrow, is going to be. So wait, how many rallies are actually going to happen? So that's a good question. There's still some that are in the works. So obviously the one tomorrow, he has another one planned July 3rd in Sarasota, Florida, that is going to be more of like a, a July 4th Independence Day type of theme. Um, and then he is also going to likely do one in Georgia, um, talk about another sort of revenge event. Um, Republican Congressman Jody Heiss is running to replace the Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. And if you remember, um, he really uh, had the ire of Trump uh, when he was upset about the Georgia election results and um, how the, the election was conducted there. So um, he's hoping that he can be uh, removed from office. And then... Um, there's also the likelihood that he will go to Alabama in support of Congressman Mo Brooks, who he's endorsed, and he's a Republican who's running for, for Senate down there. And then I, he's also going to be speaking in July at CPAC in Dallas. And so it's really uh, it's going to be a, a lot of very public events, very unusual for an ex-president. Um, but of course, he might be running himself. So uh, oh <laughs> that, that's part of it, too. Why? Okay, that uh, was White House reporter for Politico. Meredith McGraw, thanks so much for being here. Have a great weekend. You too. Take care. (laughs) Now coming up, the big name celebs dishing out their money to support Newsom's recall election here in California. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. California Governor Gavin Newsom has brought in $16 million for his recall defense committee. You might be wondering, where do you get all that money? Well, he has a lot of celebrities, it seems, who are, you know, dishing that dough. So we're going to go through some of them. And I'm, I wonder if you're going to be surprised about any of these names, Ryan. Okay. okay. All right. Let's see. So we got Sia, who donated. Uh, these are like... Talk about cheap thrills, $5,000, you know. <laughs> um, Wait, so they want him to not stay in office? No, recall, they're, no, they're recall defense committee. Meaning, oh, okay, you know, so they're trying to yeah, be to get him, him. Uh, Yeah, elected again. Okay, okay. We've got Jeffrey Katzenberg. Uh, you know, he's a film producer guy. He, uh, DreamWorks, you know, Quibi. Oh my God, I only named the bigger names that people um, know. I mean, there's a lot of media, like execs, Peter Chernin. I'm trying like to think. J.J. Abrams. Oh, there we go. We got J.J. Abrams here. A lot of $64,000. Um, All these folks are white. Reed Hastings, the CEO they of Netflix. Are. That's fascinating, actually. Well, what does that say? Oh, Steve Jobs' ex. Well, wife. Uh, widow, Sorry. Uh, $200,000. Fascinating. My thing is, I don't know why they're donating to him, because the whole recall thing is not actually going to happen. It's not like Caitlyn Jenner's the about thing, to get elected or well, something. Well, the thing is, he still needs to defend himself, and so that takes money. But that sucks that now we have to, like, waste our, or he has to waste his time raising all this money. Imagine what that money could be put towards, right? You're getting $16 million just to defend yourself to continue keeping your spot. What would the state be able to do with 16 million extra dollars? Who needs that money? Who actually needs that money? Will 16 million dollars really do anything for the state of California? It feels like like a penny when you Probably think about it. Yes. Like it really feels like a penny. It doesn't feel like that much money. Well, at least maybe, I don't know. I mean, I don't do budgets or anything like that. I don't either. But That's it, why I'm like, could, I don't know. I would assume maybe it could help like you know, how many unhoused people are there. How many people need food right now? Uh, you know, education, even like one year of education for X amount of people, that goes, that can go a long way. So when I think about, you know, even campaigns, like I get you need money for campaigns, but I think about like that money, it feels like, it's like, ah, this person raised $100 million. Like you could be solving major you know, crises. Yeah. That the I world agree. needs to solve with But instead, money. we're fighting to keep this man in office when isn't he probably going to be up for religion <laughs> so at mean, some point? It's like, like it's, yeah, I mean, whatever. I, it's politics. It's the politics of it all. But um, I know one thing Caitlyn Jenner, you have no chance. It's now Let's becoming be performative at this point, right? We all like some entertainment, not this type of entertainment, though. We don't need, we need action right now. I'm enough with entertainment. We need yeah. enough on social media. But uh, let us know what you think about all of this, this big fun- fundraising um, number, $16 million for Newsom. At LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. Will you be voting for him again? Should he stay in office? Coming up, the White House Deputy Press Secretary shared her coming out story. What she had to say next on What's Trending This Hour. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up this hour, Britney Spears reveals uh, that she was forced to take lithium. That was in the court hearing, actually, yesterday. So we want to get into what the drug is used for and if her parents abused this, you know, in giving it to her because it could have some short and long-term effects. That's coming up in 15 minutes. And, of course, we've got some tea with Ryan involving a cult classic show. That's in a moment. But first, let's get into what's trending this hour. President Biden commemorated Pride Month and he shared how hundreds of anti-LGBTQ plus bills have been introduced in state legislators across the country. Hundreds of anti-LGBTQ bills have been introduced to state legislatures. More than a dozen of them have already passed. More than a dozen of them. These are some of the ugliest, most un-American laws I've seen. And I've been here a while. Many of them target transgender children seeking to prevent them from receiving the appropriate medical care, for using the bathroom in high school while they're with the one where they'd be most safe, even preventing them from joining sports teams with their classmates. Let's be clear. This is nothing more than bullying disguised as legislation. Now, White House Principal Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre also recalled today in a message for Pride Month how her family came to accept her as part of the LGBTQ community, despite initially disapproving her. She said, I came out to my mom when I was 16 years old. The revolted look on her face sent me running back into the proverbial closet and slamming the door shut. And she posted this in a tweet. After that, my sexuality became a family secret and it would stay that way for years. She said, I dated but hid those relationships from my family. Just as American society has evolved over the course of the past couple of decades to embrace the LGBTQ community, never forgetting we still have work to do, my family has evolved to embrace my membership in it. And that was a very uh, beautiful and vulnerable, vulnerable statement from the uh, Deputy Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre. Very inspiring also that someone at her level is being so open, leading by example. And finally, the U.S. government has released a report on UFOs. Yep. Finally! Here's what we know so far. There's been 143 sightings since 2004 that remain unexplained. 18 of the sightings appear to have some sort of advanced propulsion or advanced technology. And the Pentagon has not ruled out alien origins. There you go. That was some news. Maybe we'll get more into that on Monday if there's deeper information with some of our space people that we have, those experts. But uh, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Yeah, so if you're a fan of the cult classic show Supernatural... Listen up, because there is some drama. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So not even a year after the show ended, the CW announced a Supernatural prequel that announced Jensen Ackles um, serving as the executive producer and reprising his role. Well, when the news hit online, Jensen's co-star and the guy who played his brother in the show, Jared Padalecki, reacted to the news saying this, Dude, happy for you. Wish I heard about this some way other than Twitter. I'm excited to watch, but bum that Sam Win- uh, Winchester had no involvement whatsoever. So, apparently this guy found out that, guess what? He's not involved in the, pe- the prequel at all, and mm. his 
his co-star was actually working on it the entire time. How oh. messy is that? Well, that sucks. a lot of the fans thought he was just joking, but he's confirmed saying that, no, it's not a joke. This is the first time I've heard about it. I'm gutted. And so it's that fandom, if you know anything about that show, that fandom is actually really intense. Supernatural stayed on air for like, I mean, it low-key was just on air as long as like Grey's Anatomy. Like it, it has so many seasons and it was like a whole thing. Um, but the the interesting thing is, I think they actually ended up making up. Um, uh, Jer- uh, Jared actually spoke and he tweeted out. He said, "At Jensen Ackles and I had a great talk, as we do often. Things are good. The show is early in the process with miles to go. We traveled a lot of roads together, and sometimes those damn roads have bumps." <laughs> Bumps don't stop us. Once brothers, always no. brothers. And he also had to send out a message of being like, stop sending death threats because, like I said, the fans are intense. <laughs> right. Um, but no, that's your T report. I, I just love some juicy TV news like that because I was just not expecting it because I know, like, I, I watched Supernatural for uh-huh. a little bit, but I never, like, fully delve into the show, right? It just wasn't my thing. Um, but before we get out of here with the T report... I got to tell you, during Pride Month, Ralph's and Food for Less are partnering with Channel Q and the Los Angeles LGBT Center to help fill the fridge for homeless LGBT youth and seniors in need. So please text FRIDGE to 20357 to donate to the Los Angeles LGBT Pride Pantry. Donations will be doubled by Ralph's and Food for Less. So honey, if you give, uh, you know, $25, it's going to double. And guess what? That $25 is an entire week's worth of groceries. So help us fill the fridge by texting FRIDGE to 20357 to donate. Because, honey, we're going to take all the money from Rouse and Food for this. Yeah, love that. That's all I'm saying. Just do something sweet for Pride Day. I'm Pride Month. Yep. Every day. We got to do something positive. All right. Uh, Coming up, Britney Spears revealed she was forced to take lithium. What the short and long-term effects are of all of this. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. During Britney Spears' conservatorship hearing yesterday, she revealed many things, including that she was forced to take lithium. And now joining us is Dr. Jessica Gold, an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Washington University in St. Louis, who has been writing about this and tweeting about it ever since... We discovered it. Uh, thanks for being here again. Nice to see you. Good. Thanks for having me. So what did you think about this revelation? <sighs> I mean, as a psychiatrist, all of this stuff is really painful for me to see. You know, I want people to be able to feel safe to get treatment and feel like medication's a safe place to go and feel like coming to psychiatry is safe. And when you hear stories like that, it's hard to feel like you know, the medical systems on your side, especially the mental health system. And, you know, having been a person who served like as a psychiatrist in California, it's very heartbreaking to hear any of those kinds of stories or imagine that they could even be real. So it's been really hard to read and hear about for sure. Yeah. Could you break down what exactly lithium is? Yeah. So lithium is a medication that as psychiatrists we use as it's called a mood stabilizer. Um, we use it for a lot of different reasons. So you could use it for bipolar disorder in people who have mania. It's like the first choice, meaning they aren't sleeping. They feel top of the world. They feel the best they've ever felt. Sometimes they do risky behaviors. That's sort of mania, like the complete opposite of depression, much more than just feeling good. 
And then we also use it in people who have depression that isn't responding to other medications. And it's also approved for suicide. It's one of the only medicines that has an actual approval for people who are feeling suicidal and it actually works in that. So it's a really great, honestly, a great medication for a lot of different uses. And it's one of the most used medications for bipolar disorder. Yeah. But what are the side effects? Because I feel like, yeah, doesn't it make you like loopy and just groggy? Yeah, so lithium definitely has a good amount of side effects. It is not a medication that doesn't. Because of that, it's one of the few psychiatric medicines that we monitor with blood testing. We monitor the level of lithium in your blood. We monitor your thyroid and your kidney levels, especially when we're changing doses and starting the medication. We monitor your like how much how your blood cell count and your electrolytes. So you get a good amount of blood work when you're first starting the medication because there are side effects of lithium. There are like toxic doses of lithium, meaning there's a range at which you want the lithium in your blood that actually works. And there's a range beyond that, that it can be dangerous. So we pay pretty close attention to people who take the medication because while it's effective, it does have side effects. So it's not something that you use lately, you know? Yeah. Well, Dr. Jessica, you know, it seems like Britney Spears was kind of insinuating that she should not have been on this drug. And so what is happening to someone who is forcibly being on this drug? Like, how can that those long term effects? Is she ever going to kind of recover from one, the trauma of that? And then two. Um, any any of those side effects that she may have had, the ones where she was talking about where she felt drunk, she couldn't even talk to her mom or dad. Well, you know, what actually happens when a person is taking that that may not is supposed to be taking it? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, obviously, I've never examined Britney Spears, but I think that, you know, one of the things that I would hope if you see anyone as a psychiatrist is that if you're experiencing something that doesn't feel right and you feel uncomfortable, that you have long conversations with your doctor and that your doctor listens to the things that you're experiencing. And as a physician myself, if somebody told me that they felt drunk or felt like they weren't themselves, it would be a very important conversation and it would be a risk benefits conversation. And we would talk about why they were feeling that way and how the medicine had helped and whether a lower dose would make sense or whether it would make sense to go off the medicine completely. And it's a very thorough conversation. And when we're really trying to be patient centered, that's part of the conversation. So I think that that's obviously missing when, you know, somebody says they feel that way and they don't feel heard, having a conservator is complicated because that person's making the medical decisions for them and making the decisions about medication and what a person's feeling and what medicines they should be on. So it could be hard to know what actual information is conveyed or what actual information is believed in those circumstances, which makes it really hard to know, honestly. But I think, you know, a lot of the things that someone could be experiencing could definitely be reversible by going on a lower dose or stopping a medicine completely. It's not something that I would, you know, if you're monitoring their levels with their blood and stuff that you would see long-term effects, you would hope that you would catch that stuff before you could, which is why we look at the liver or we look at the kidney and we look at the thyroid because those things can be long-lasting and whether you would have long-lasting trauma for someone putting you on a medicine that you didn't want to be on. I mean, it would be hard to imagine not, right? Like, I think that's a really hard thing to go through. I would never wish that on anyone. I would never wish that on a patient. I would never wish that on a family member or a friend. So, I mean, I imagine that's really hard to go through. And it's definitely something that you need to be able to, you know, talk about and process in the future. Definitely. So could there be long-term implications of that? Like, what are those? And could she still be experiencing that? 
it's definitely possible. I mean, the reason we monitor like somebody's kidneys and somebody's thyroid is because you can't damage your kidneys and your thyroid as a result of taking the medication. Wow. It's not something where it's the length of time that matters. It's more the dose of the medication that matters and how like what the dose actually does in your body. Sometimes that's affected by other medicines you're taking. Sometimes that's affected even by how much water you're drinking. It's very one of those medications that has a very tight window of where it's uh, you know, effective and where it can be dangerous. And it's definitely something that needs to be monitored. Yeah. And I think that it's possible that over time, you could see effects that are long lasting. It's hard to predict exactly what can happen. But I've definitely seen yeah. people who have long lasting lithium that have like kidney damage or have, um, you know, tremor as a result of the medication. And, and that's definitely really common. Yeah. And Dr. Goat, I, I think we have about 30 seconds left. And I, I really want to know because a story like this could really add to stick the stigma of therapy <laughs> and stigma of medicine. So as final thoughts and final, you know, just final thoughts in general, what are you hoping people listening to this story take away from it in a positive way. I hope that people know that they can advocate for themselves and that the system is not as bad as it sounds, that there are good doctors and that there aren't only doctors that are like the ones that she has had. Mm -hmm. There aren't only people who take advantage of the system and take advantage of you, that there are people who care that medication can be helpful when it's the right medication and that if you need help, you should still feel like you can get it and feel safe getting it. And I hope that that's what people feel and don't feel scared to get help just because of what she's experienced. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for this. Absolutely. That was Dr. Jesse Gold, assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Washington University in St. Louis. Hope to have you back. Now, coming up, conversion therapy still kills people, so will it finally get a federal ban? We go there next. Let's we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As we're deep in Pride Month, almost ended. Wow. Yep. It's almost gone. Pride Month is deep inside of us. <laughs> There's more discussion coming up about the renewed push to ban conversion therapy federally. And joining us right now is Dr. Donna Shaparis, a professor of counseling at Palo Alto University and licensed professional counselor in private practice. Also proud parent of LGBT plus children doing so much. Dr. Shaparis, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah. So we know that certain states have already banned conversion therapy, but what will it take to get it banned federally? Like, yeah. do you feel like we're already like the time has come? 
It is so calm. And the, the fact that a few states have and a few states haven't, it's kind of like having a smoking section mm-hmm. of a room. Uh, it doesn't make much of a difference when you have other states that have not enacted a ban. It's very disturbing to not have a federal ban. Yeah. No, it's it's so disturbing, especially when you find out how many how many actual states still allow it to happen. You right. know, like, right. that's like that's the thing where it's just like, wow, that it takes you off guard. But I know um in your article you talked about like a legal loophole. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, sure. So there the professional organizations have banned its practice by members. So the American Psychological Association, the American Medical Association, the American Counseling Association. So that's great. So people like me, licensed professionals, cannot practice conversion therapy. But guess who that leaves out? That leaves out our lay counselors, our pastors, our folks who are looking to to enforce this type of conviction to change, particularly on LGBTQ youth. That's where we really see it start. And that can happen in states that don't have a ban. So it doesn't matter that the professions have banned it. It matters that states still allow it using these sort of religious options. Yeah. And as someone who is a professional in the field and a mother of LGBTQ plus children, like, you know, what does it make you feel that this is still happening? Yeah, it is so horrifying. The idea, first of all, we know that about two thirds of youth tell us that, yes, somebody tried to convince me to change, made an attempt. Now, not that many get forced into this conversion therapy, but we know that there's a lot of push coming from families, from their communities, from their churches. Then we have this idea of an actual boot camp to try to make a change in someone's identity. It's just appalling. It, it really is appalling, and it makes you rethink really kind of the 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 messaging and the the message that we should be getting out during Pride Month, especially to LGBTQ plus youth. And I would love to know what that message is for you, especially the parent of queer kids. Oh yeah, absolutely. So the message actually, I think, even transcends the U.S. Uh, earlier last year the UN brought in an expert to talk about this, and there was a call for a global ban on the practice. So what we have not done socially as a culture is recognize that this is child abuse. This is a form of torture to try to change someone's essence into something that meets a an archaic and artificial social standard. Um, that's not just a U.S. problem or even just a deep south or middle America problem. That's a global problem. But yet in your article, you say a full ban unlikely. And how is that? possible with even the Biden administration being here and obviously being huge supporters of the community. Well, and and even as late as last November, we saw some of the community bands in South Florida, Boca Raton, Miami, etc. They were struck down by a circuit court. So we have some, some systemic issues that will keep this from going further that transcend a presidential election that have been in motion for a while. The Supreme Court is one example of that. Uh, so I do see a federal ban being pretty unlikely without without a lot of work towards it. I know that that is it's the ideal, that would be the goal, but then we still have this religious exemption. So it's really about getting around all of the legal loopholes and recognizing that 
this truly is something that every profession has come to the agreement is harmful. Not just not a good idea, but absolutely harmful. Mm -hmm. And increases suicide risk, suicide attempt. Yeah, Yeah, it's harassment and abuse. So there you go. Why why is it a question of legality? And then it becomes sanctioned by the silence of the states that do not push forth their own own efforts. Well, that was uh, Dr. Donna Shapiris. Professor of Counseling at Palo Alto University and a licensed professional counselor as well. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As all of us are continuing to talk about Britney Spears, the conservatorship, what she revealed. Was it two days ago at this point? I'm losing track of time. Was it yesterday? No, it was uh, Monday. It was two days ago. Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yep. You know it's Friday when you lose track of time. So, but the one person that's definitely getting dragged in all of this, besides her family, is Perez Hilton. Mm. Perez Hilton has an interesting relationship with Miss Britney Spears because, you know, in the documentary and in uh, after it aired, it seems like a lot of people blamed him for being part of the negative side of the media in terms of how the media portrayed her. He's the worst. He, yeah, he was part of the problem. And so He was the problem. He start I believe Perez Hilton in the way that he was reporting and blogging at that time, he was the reason why other outlets and new and uh, he started TMZ, it. like he shifted the culture when mm. it came to covering celebrities in a harmful way and detrimental way. Yeah. Like a, a bit of like a teasing bully, you know, uh and Not in a he, little bit. He was. Yeah. He was a full on bully. And he's admitted it. He yeah, played he's that game. He's coming on our show crying about it. Yeah, and he's apologized, but it doesn't seem to be enough for the Free Britney movement. Of and a lot not. of people are saying he's now a hypocrite because he's like wanting to be there and to support her, and he's, um, you know, siding siding with her, obviously, but then simultaneously having to reckon with his own past relationship with her. And how he portrayed her. So here is some of his Instagram because he's been posting about this. Oh, we're not playing it right oh, now. Okay, I just he's been taking to his Instagram to basically apologize for it and continue to. Oh wait, I'd like to say oh, to the Free Britney movement. But before I get to that, today I have been getting so much hate and bullying from people who were and are upset at how I used to talk about Britney Spears. So my message to all of those friends, I will continue to apologize for my past coverage and treatment of her. I also have something I would like to say to the Free Britney movement. But before I get to that, today. Okay, so at a certain point, <laughs> you get it. You get what he's saying. At a certain point, like, at what time? At what point is enough enough? And, like, he could, should still apologize. He has. But, like, what else can he do at this point? He's been there, done that. He's acknowledged really? it. I don't, I mean, he can also still support where she's at and want something also, to change while also, rec- like, recognizing what he's done. Here's the interesting thing about the conflicting feelings that I have for Perez Hilton. Yeah. Perez Hilton is still working in the same industry that he would. Like, he's still blogging. He's still doing it. He's still running his website. Yeah, I get it because that's his main probably form of money. Yeah. Um, But it just it just feels like sometimes I wish he would take a back seat um, because oftentimes people 
his legacy is what his legacy is. And it's unfortunately going to have this negativity attached to it for the end of time because that's what he decided to build on it. And, you know, if you made the bed, you got to lay in it. And so, yes, if he has to apologize every five seconds and try to because he's jumping into this to prove to gain regain the trust of like fans and Britney and all of these people he's hurt, then he has to do that work. Like for me, he he he's the one that did this. He's the one that people like look at him in a certain way because he he continues to f up time and time again. And my thing is, he's still working in a blogging type of world where it's like, oftentimes you really don't know if he's learned his lesson or not because of the stuff he's still posting. But he's he does he gets into scandals all the time he, and he loves it. Uh, he's messy. He's he's still learning. He's a work in progress. Nah, sure. I you know he's come on the show. And we've had very honest conversations, but he's messy. He likes to be in it because he likes the the fame of it all. For me, so when someone is apologizing one minute and then they're going back doing the right the same thing, that means their well, actions so, aren't aligned. But then at a certain point, words. we've the public and all of us have already said, okay, you've done this, like. Um, you should, you know, t- continue to take accountability. We're not going to necessarily take you too seriously because of all this, and you have to recognize that. And how much more can we focus on on Perez Hilton and all this in this conversation? Because he's putting himself in the position of it, you know? Like, he's the one that's, do like, tweeting and, and talking and doing all these things, and he's the one putting himself in this mess where people have to call him out. If he just wasn't involved in it, trying to once again have the spotlight, then... But he also, it's he what he does. So, yeah. It's not what he does, because no one's really, like, reading PerezHilton.com anymore. Well, no they're shit. listening to him. He's, I mean, people are listening to him. So he's inserting himself in the conversation. We're getting annoyed at it, and we're continuing to include him in the conversation. It's like a weird, himself, cyclical, puts, toxic but relationship. But he also puts himself into the conversation, which is, of course, people are going to have thoughts about it. They're going to yeah. call him out for being hypocritical. Well, let us know what you think. At LGT Show on social media. And, yeah, hopefully we can get him on maybe next week to talk about all of this. I'm sure he'll like it because that's what I'm saying. He, he loves, likes the attention. He likes the attention. See, we can at least admit that. Yeah, that's true. He likes it. Now coming up, Biden declared uh, Pulse Nightclub a national memorial today. What he had to share next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So what happens during break yeah, when we let, her, let them know. Go get snacks and there's nothing but flaming Hot Cheetos. And flaming hot Doritos. Like this is hilarious. Um, you know, and I, you don't even like hot stuff. I don't, but I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> I like, you know, I'm hungry when I'm eating flaming hot Doritos. Yeah. This is yeah. anything but the first time I've eaten Doritos. Like, not just for like a work challenge, like a video, oh. viral video or something. Excuse me, they're flaming hot Dorito lemon. Yeah, I mean they're good, but like I don't eat this type of stuff usually. But I'm giving myself—they're not very vegan. I'm giving myself a little break <laughs> at this point. It was either that or not be able to work. So, and I got Sour Patch Kids, so you know it's a healthy day here. At Let's wow. go there. I feel like I'm in high school, like on a at a sleepover party. Anyway, coming up this hour, we've got the first out uh, Black City Councilman from Texas joining us in 15 minutes which is huge. Plus why one of the Friends stars feels hurt right now and what she revealed that's in the tea report with Ryan in a moment. But first, let's get into somewhat trending this hour. President Joe Biden has signed HR 49, the bill designating the site of the 2016 Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida as a national monument into law. And afterwards, Biden commemorated Pride Month with some remarks made alongside Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg, the first publicly out person confirmed to a cabinet position. Hundreds of anti-LGBTQ bills 
have been introduced in state legislatures. More than a dozen of them have already passed. More than a dozen of them. These are some of the ugliest, most un-American laws I've seen, and I've been here a while. Many of them target transgender children, seeking to prevent them from receiving the appropriate medical care, for using the bathroom in high school while they're with the one where they'll be most safe, even preventing them from joining sports teams with their classmates. Let's be clear. This is nothing more than bullying disguised as legislation. Now, at least 159 people are unaccounted for following a condo building sudden collapse in Surfside, Florida, near Miami Beach. The search for survivors pushed into the morning, and at least four people are still dead. It's just so horrible what's been happening there, and it continues. So that's the latest update. Uh, But San Francisco will require all 35,000 city employees to be vaccinated against the coronavirus once a vaccine receives full approval from the FBA. They're going to be the first city in California and likely the country to require all city employees to be vaccinated. That's a big deal coming out of San Francisco today. But that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so Courtney Cox uh, from basically Friends, she is revealing that she felt hurt that being the uh, she was the only Friends cast member that wasn't nominated for an Emmy. Everyone was nominated. <laughs> Are you okay? I think, she, I think Ryan had too many hot Cheetos. Uh, yes, I guess I didn't even realize that Friends were nominated this time around again. Or well, just, in just in general. Oh, I thought that was just for the special. I was like, was it that good? Oh my god, I almost died, y'all. No, but yeah, I think it was just in general. Um, here's it's time for the tea report. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pop culture Let's stories. Give some grace and space for Ryan right, right now. But you like, this is what sucks when you actually have a cough fit when you're on air live. Like, you feel like you can't. It's not like, even that. It's like my nose is oh, bleeding. So it's your entire body. It's like, it's like my eyes are tearing. Everything is just so hot. Do you want me to do okay, this? here we go. So here she said, uh, it's all, it always hurt my feelings when every single cast member was nominated but me. It definitely hurt my feelings. She said, I was happy for everybody. And then when it was finally like, oh, I'm the only one, noting that her sincere delight for her castmates, uh, whenever they did kind of get up to those, they got these nominations. She was very happy for them, but she was just like, yeah, it hurt me. It made hmm. me uncomfortable, um, which is really interesting for her to be speaking out about at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honest, it's vulnerable. But yeah, I mean, like, you could be there and support your cast members while also feeling shitty about yourself, probably. But, like, also, uh, I guess were the other cast members that good? Like, Yes, was, oh my God, Lisa Kudrow. Lisa, I Jennifer, deserve Jennifer it. Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. What about the guys? Were they that, like, I think all of them groundbreaking? Got some. I mean, their, they're, they're still the highest uh, paid yeah, cast. When you think about really? it, like they were getting millions of dollars per uh, season. But that was time. also the height of like the TV industry in general. I know, really. but they were the, at the top. Yep. And they were a ripoff of Living Single. I'm just putting that out there. Anyway, that's your T-Report. We got more stories coming up next hour. But before we go, I'm mentioning it every hour as Pride Month is closing. We're doing something special. We're partnering with Ralph's and Food for Less uh, and the Los Angeles LGBT Center to help fill the fridge for homeless LGBT youth and seniors in need. Please text FRIDGE to 20357 to donate to the Los Angeles LGBT Pride Pantry. Just $25 
guess what? We'll get an entire week's worth of groceries. So help wow. us fill the fridge by texting FRIDGE to 20357 to donate. And Ralph's and Food for Less are going to be doubling all of our donations. So let's do something nice as we close out Pride Month. Yep. Now, coming up, Councilman Jalen McKean Rodriguez joins us to talk about how he became the first out black councilman in Texas. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. In honor of Pride Month, we're partnering with T-Mobile and Metro by T-Mobile to highlight some amazing queer organizations. Here I am talking to Gay City Seattle LGBTQ Plus Center, and honey, they are doing some amazing work, so stay tuned. We're here with Melvin Givens, Director of Marketing and Communications at Gay City Seattle LGBTQ Plus Center. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. Yes, we're, we're doing great out here in Seattle. Uh, yes. We are excited for Pride. Uh, this is definitely a month that definitely re- resounds with our community, definitely around visibility and also just our, just the fight, fight for our free for the freedom of our of our community from many of the oppressions that impact us. No, you're so right. And I love that we're just getting this started. Tell us a little bit about the mission of Gay City Health. So our mission is really around creating access and connections to affirming resources, wellness and community. So, uh, I mean, essentially what it boils down to is we're seeking to be that definitive hub that is uh, that that's really connecting to the LGBTQ community to any resources that they that they're seeking, uh, whether that is an affirming lawyer, whether that is health care, health insurance, a health provider. Uh, that's definitely what we're looking to provide. Uh, even in wellness, we are looking to provide the free HIV and STI testing that we do. Uh, we are the leading leading provider of those services in King County, which Seattle is within. You know, the other, other spaces around community. So, you know, we really focus a lot on drawing community together, uh, raising awareness around uh, many of the things that impact our community, and, you know, also highlighting what else is going on in community, uh, because there's just so much around here in Seattle and so many great opportunities for folks to find community in, in various, various industries and in activities as well. Yeah, and I'm always so interested, especially coming out of a year of us all being in this pandemic collectively, how did Gay City Health have to pivot to make sure that you all continue to stay the leading HIV and STI testers in King County? We definitely had to reevaluate a lot of our services. Uh, we definitely wanted to ensure that we were providing a safe and comfortable space for uh, for not only staff, but for our community. Um, our services are definitely provided to folks that are in need. And so um, and we provide services that are affirming that uh, folks are not normally able to find in other spaces. So a lot of what we did is we just took a took a step back to reevaluate, to listen to what our health departments were uh, sharing with us around safety and implementing those measures and then also uh, evaluating what is it that what is it that community needed to see from us during this time what is it that they wanted from us and how could we how, how could we build that bridge to really connecting them to the the information and the services that they that they needed and so yeah. we found a way uh, so we definitely moved quite a few of our services to being digital and for those services that we were not able to, uh, we 
were able to find a safe way to hold in-person services. So we definitely made sure that we were, we were still there to support community. We created a few digital programs. There's the QCC Live, which really focuses on, on services uh, from different organizations and, and how they're ensuring that uh, they're making sure that, that the services are BIPOC and LGBTQ affirming. Yes, yes. I think yes, that's so yes, important. Yes. And, you know, the organization is also an active force in queer youth engagement. Why is that so important for Gay City Health? Well, yes. Well, I mean, the, the youth are our future, and, and they definitely are the folks who we are definitely creating space for. You know, we definitely want to create space for, for their visibility. And so in a lot of the work that we're doing, we involve the youth. So, for example, when we moved to doing digital services, Youth Advisory Council actually gathered together and decided that uh, since they couldn't provide assistance in person, that they wanted to provide it digitally. So they launched the Quarantine's uh, Instagram live chats. And so they held those every second and fourth Sunday just to create a space for for you to just do check-ins, yeah. uh, to share what's bringing them joy, to, to share what's what resources and supports they found and what are some of those things that they're looking for. Uh, And just, I mean, it was just a a great, warm, affirming space uh, just for you. And it definitely was a, was a major hit and it's continuously grown. I believe 2021 was our second, second year of providing those services. So we're, we're really excited for the, for the next season of those. No, it's so exciting. And honestly, I'm sitting here thinking, where were you all when I was young? I needed an organization (laughs) like this um, because it's so uh, amazing to know that you all are affirming and creating these spaces for so many people, specifically queer youth, especially now more than ever, uh, queer and trans Mm -hmm. youth, um, because we just see what's going on in the world. But we are proud to work with T-Mobile and Metro by T-Mobile to bring organizations like Gay City Seattle LGBTQ plus center to our Channel Q family. T-Mobile and Metro by T-Mobile are committed to empowering change makers in the community because, honey, we are unstoppable together. T-Mobile and Metro by T-Mobile believes that pride powers our future. So for more information, go to T-Mobile.com slash pride. And to learn more about Gay City Seattle LGBTQ plus center, go to GayCity.org. Thank you so much, Melvin, for joining us. This was absolutely an honor to talk to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Happy Pride. And speaking of Pride, we have an amazing Yes Queen that is about to melt your heart. It's coming right up, so stay tuned. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We've got an early Yes Queen of the day for you all today. Yes. You know, we love hearing from you when you hit us up over email or on social media. Well, this dad who's a listener and their Instagram is Life of Two Dads. Very cute. Yes. They uh, slid into our DMs to share the story of their son, who's eight years old, Jackson. And he has been jogging every block in their town of Superior, Nebraska, of 1,800 people for Pride Month. Showing some pride and to support his two dads. And so, we, so basically, yeah. this kid is the best kid ever, and it's he makes us cute. all go to shame. Exactly, and we actually have we got in touch with them quickly, booked them to come on the show. It's of course, uh, uh, one of the dads, Brian and Jackson, joins us right now. Thanks you both uh, for being here. Thanks for having us. Hey, so Jackson, oh hi, so adorable. <laughs> so Jackson, what made you want to do this? 
to support my two dads and support everyone else. Love I it. love that. Why aren't more kids like you? Or and adults. to spread love. And to spread love. <laughs> of course to spread love. That's literally what you're doing. You know, Brian, how does it feel? Like, I, I feel like this is really, uh, it shows how you're parenting, right? It shows how much love is in your family. How does this feel seeing a Jackson do something and want to spread love in this way? We're actually very proud of them. Um, yes, we try to teach them love and acceptance. But we're very proud of Jackson. He came up with this himself. And I go jogging with him every time just to make sure, you know, he's safe and everything. But sometimes I'm very proud of him. Sometimes he's going in the car. Yeah, sometimes I go in the car behind him. Yeah, we, we saw that. And what made you want to share this then on social media? Because it seems like you've been doing TikTok and Instagram about this run, but also just sharing uh, more about what it's like to be two dads in Nebraska. I think it's important for visibility um, because if we're out there, people are going to, well, they're going to become aware. Um, And we live in a small rural Nebraska town. And if we're not visible, no one's going to see us and can, you know, learn from us and realize we're the same as anybody else. So mainly for visibility, um, Mm -hmm. for people to see that we're out here. No, and I, I think that is so important to, to, one, be visibility, but then also really showing your, your kids how to be amazing allies and just show up and, and just spread love in the best possible way. Yeah, so, no, that's correct, too. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're just, we're so, we're so excited to, to be able to have you on the show to really kind of highlight you in this way. And uh, I want to know what you have planned for tomorrow, Jackson, because What's tomorrow's a big day. Oh, is Jackson there? I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to run like. Um, but what did you ask people on TikTok? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh. <laughs> well, Remember yeah. you asked them to run and do a video? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, um, tomorrow, um, everyone's going to run. All my fans are going to run, hopefully. Yes, fans. <laughs> there you I go. Know. I call his fans, I guess. No, they sure <laughs> are. I'm a fan of Jackson. I need an autograph. <laughs> So, yeah, so he asked everybody in their uh-huh. own town if they could to either jog or walk and if they have any pride gear or kind gear be hmm. kind gear to take a short video and upload it and tag us in it okay so uh, and your your life of two dads on twitter i mean on tiktok and instagram too right yes this is the same on both Amazing. Well, this is inspiring for all of us in Jackson. We love this idea, and we hope to that to keep seeing you do amazing stuff like this and inspiring everyone. Yes, Jackson. You're like the, the cool kid that everyone wants to be, by the way. Just putting that out there. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you, Brian, so much for joining us again. Oh, hope to have thank you, back. you. Thank you. Yes, please do. Now coming up, we'll be back with more of Let's Go There right after this. Yeah. Sure, you feel like crying? Mm, it's very sweet. I feel like yeah. crying. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So a problematic story has popped up, as they always do. Uh And, you know, we have you covered right here on Let's Go There. A white influencer had their jaw shaved down along with a bunch of other surgeries to look like a Korean boy band idol. And they have now been slammed for also coming out as non-binary. But not just that. 
but a non-binary person who identifies as Korean. It kind of? This is like okay, so, weird. Okay, I, well, no, I'm not going to say it. I'm, I'm not going to say that. Never mind. No, this is a this is a weird story. It's weird. It's a weird story, but it reminds me of something else that I was going to say, but I'm not going to say until we have a discussion about if I can say it or not. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to say Wait it. Wait a second. But Do you want- <laughs> um, I think um, I think this story is wild. This The fact that this person feels like they can appropriate the culture and like do all the extremes of it. You know, there's going to be this interesting Interesting. I would I would not be shocked because all of the Rachel Dolezalness of the conversations and all these things, if people start to really start identifying as transracial, because you know that's what Rachel Dolezal, she identifies as transracial. She's a white yeah. woman. She was born a white woman, but she identifies as black. And so there's going to be these weird like conversations I feel like that are going to come up at some point, whether or not people are going to be okay with it or not. Mm. But there's going to be, I think, serious conversation about folks who are having this moment of being transracial because that's what that sounds like that guy is. And it's a yeah. little weird and I don't, you know, and it, the, it makes me uncomfortable. Well, yeah, to go to that extreme, like the difference between celebrating and acknowledging a culture and really liking that culture um, and embracing it, whether it be, um, you know, buying fashion from it and um, being inspired by the like the looks and the styles, but then like actually making your face look like, uh, you know, your favorite pop star. He's trying to be like the BTS guys, which I get it. You see someone who's really uh, popular. You're like, I want to be like them. But how far will you no, go? I, won't, I don't get that. I think that is so problematic. Oh, well, yeah. That is so problematic. He also even went as far. I mean, it seems like this guy's obsessed. Uh, he he strived to look like them, spending over $150,000 on 15 surgeries. So in this Instagram post, they said their pronouns were they, them, Korean Jimin. Oh, my goodness. So it's like they're identifying a, um, not just a, like, a, a who you're where you're from as also your pronouns like it's kind of like mixing in many parts of the identity well and it's also this like i there i think there's a line that is often crossed when like especially for cake pop i think there's so cake many pop did you k-pop i think i said cake pop. no like k-pop there's so many fans like and that the fans are very diverse of course oh, yeah of course um but i think there's a line that is crossed when you start to like one think of yourself in that in that way um and it's just like it's it's offensive it's honestly offensive because it is yeah you know it, it's it's just <laughs> it's just not and okay so Ali. he oh they, they sorry yeah they spoke to uh this blog commenting on the trolling and said it is sad during pride month a month that celebrates diversity equality and love that woke people would use my coming out and sharing my non-binary korean identity Identity. This is like something okay. that took me years to understand and accept, and took me enormous courage to share with the world, and use it as a platform to bully, degrade, and dehumanize me. Wait, share. Read community. the best part. They they explain. I do identify as Korean. This is my choice, my decision. It's it's not, not the anyone. same as a pronoun. I can't believe it. So a lot of people who are so Korean strange. are coming out and saying, like, playing with a flag from another country. Oh, he all. Oh, sorry. And this is bad. I'm sorry. They also. Uh, Put up a flag of like the LGBTQ flag with the Korean flag, as if they were like it was like <laughs> their new rep uh, way to represent I gotta, themselves. I gotta actually see this person. So they said right playing. Um, someone said playing with a flag from another country. Man, that is serious. Every flag has a history about it, and he has 
if they have the audacity to change it. You may fetishize Koreans, but you'll never be a Korean. Like, seriously, you can't just do that. Like, you cannot just... Or you can't just also call yourself a Korean because you think you're trying to look like a Korean. The whole thing is messed up. Let us know what you think at LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. Uh, Coming up, how Van Jones responded to Derek Chauvin being sentenced today. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back and coming up on the show, we've got some more news on Rihanna. Not necessarily who she's dating, but what she's trying to take off her body from an ex. Oh, I thought we were talking about Cher. Oh, and share her message for the LGBTQ plus community. I can do both stars. Yeah, let's double it up. All right. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. CNN political commentator Van Jones called it a punch in the gut. The former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin had only been sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison and could possibly serve as few as 15 for the murder of George Floyd. Here he is on air today. I feel so conflicted about this guy. I know. Very disappointing. Uh, 15 years. I I know people doing 15 years for nothing. I mean, for for, for victimless crimes of, of drug possession. Very disappointing. Uh, the level of uh, any one of those aggravators, what this man did, there should have been the maximum of the maximum, and this is this is this is disappointing. I don't I don't think it's going to uh, 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 cause uh, outrage, but it's just it's a, it's a it's a punch in the gut. This guy's life was worth more than 15 years. It was, and what that and what that officer did uh, is 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 worth more than 15 years. And 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 law enforcement across the country should look at something like this. And, and say, look, you can't do this type of stuff. You're never going to come back home. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's disappointing. Jennifer. I agree yeah, I mean, with him. Yeah, I um, thought that was, those are powerful words, and it, it does make sense. Oh, I hate the word powerful. Oh, um, it's <laughs> but he, significant. Yes. It resonated. I agree with him for sure. I agree with him for sure. I, we could have a whole other conversation where yeah. sometimes I'm in the middle with him. But um, I also want to, uh-huh. to really quickly speak about um, Derek's mother who took the stand. Oh, God. And she took a stand mm-hmm. to to basically plead for her son. And she had the statement written. And um, we did have a clip, but I don't feel like playing it. My thing is, she spent a large, it was a three-minute statement that she spent basically trying to convince everyone, the judge, that her, her son's a good person. But she did not once uh, address George Floyd or his yeah, family. Yeah, it, it was weird. And for me, that's an issue. And she, she says that he's a good person. Well... Um, last time I checked, murderers weren't a good people. weren't good people, in my opinion. It just was whoever. I mean, this was approved. The statement and written, you know, and it was just totally toned down. I'm just saying, birds of a feather flock together. Of course, mm-hmm. that is his mother, and of course, she's doing that toned death st- statement in that moment. It's embarrassing. Yeah, it, w- it wasn't smart. Okay, well, that was what's trending this hour. Let's get into some tea. It's Friday. Okay, we can totally do this. Uh, All right, so let's start off with Rihanna. So Rihanna had these matching tattoos that she got uh, with Drake back in 2016. Well, honey, she done moved on. She got a whole new man. And we we talked about it. We were wondering because ASAP Rocky, the rapper, he talked about it and was gushing over her in um, an interview he did. And oftentimes, men will do that over Rihanna. And Rihanna has no commitments to them. But she just has something about her that everyone just loves, you know, especially the men that she loves. Drake loved her, and now she's with ASAP Rocky. Um, well, apparently she covered up that tat, that matching tattoo that she got uh, that she got with Drake, and she has a new tattoo, which is actually quite sweet because I feel like that is her saying that she takes her her relationship serious mm-hmm. and she's over anything of the past with Drake. 
That's it? No, I, well, I thought we were going to have a cute little moment about oh. it. Oh, okay, I, I mean, I think, <laughs> no, I mean, wow. I think it's cute. She deserves love. And I always find it interesting when, like, all the fans notice the tattoos and it's like, notice the tattoo of this. What does it say about the relationship? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Fans <laughs> notice everything. Okay, well, let's move on to that. Uh, share joy. Are you going to say TikTok. something, producer Vanessa? Oh, producer Vanessa. Oh, I just wanted chat. to know do you know what the tattoo is? The new tattoo? Yeah, it's a crown. Oh. How it, was it, was, it was a shark at first and then it, it turned into a crown. Super How do you generic. make a sh- shark into a crown? Really good, um, really good tattoo artist know how. Um, okay, so let's go to Cher because guess what? The queen of the gays joined TikTok in the most iconic way. Here she is. Guess, guess who I am? I'm on TikTok. Hi. Of course you know who I am. I was going to introduce myself, but no. Happy Pride Month to everybody in the community that I love, and that means you. So she's like, why would I introduce Cute. myself? It's me. You already know me. It's Cher. <laughs> Maybe the youngins don't. Just saying, Cher. No, everybody knows Cher. You can't know Cher without, like, knowing Cher. I don't even know what that sentence means. So that's your tea report. That If you got any other stories um, th- that you love that I covered today, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com to check them out. And that is basically that. I'm done spilling. Well, uh, Trump is back on the campaign trail. Politico joins us next to share what his potential plans are right after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yeah. Queen. Oh, okay. I thought you lost your breath there. I did almost lose it. I, it's, not, it's not like I used to have it in three years Getting ago. old. Getting old kid. in these streets. Uh, so, of course, we want to give an extra shout out to Jackson, who is eight, and his dad, Brian, who joined us earlier in the show to talk about um, their Instagram account, Life of Two Dads, and also the work that Jackson is doing to spread the word of love and LGBTQ plus support and allyship to their community in Nebraska. So you can listen to that interview on our website. We or channelq.com. But let's get into our other Yes Queen of the Day. All right, let's do it. Many cities have been celebrating Pride for years, but one small town in Nevada this year will be for the first time. It's called Winnemucca. It's called a what? What you call Winnemucca, me? Nevada. Oh, okay. We'll have its inaugural Pride Parade and Festival on July 16th and 17th, complete with floats, a drag show, vendors from as far away as Carson City. And the city council has even agreed to close public streets for the parade. Honestly, Winnemucca sounds like it is an entire <laughs> like place in Canada. So, you know, if you want to enjoy a, a pride parade, the first one, show them some love, head over to Winnemucca, July 16th and 17th. <laughs> Can you say it with a little bit more Winnemucca! <laughs> if I, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Winnemucca. Uh, yeah, I think that's and what you say. So, uh, congrats to you to you all for doing this. I mean, it's about time you get our Yas Queen of the Day. Take a shot every time we say Winnemucca. Yes, and positivity. <laughs> Lots of positivity. That does it for our show today and our Yas Queen of the Day, of course. Yes, Queen. You can always nominate someone to slide into our DMs at LGT Show. We'd love to hear from you. Coming up on Monday's show, are you going out a lot these days? Oh well, why? God. You need to watch out for a social hangover and how to deal with it. Wow, Take care me. of it. That's me. And what you should know about the ongoing hunt for male birth control. That's on Monday's show. We're live here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for What's Poppin' with DJ Alex D right after this. Have a great weekend. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.